everybody. Welcome back to Living With MS. Truth be told, I'm your host, Marie Heron. Uh, this morning, we are going to be talking to Carlin Shaw. Uh, Carlin Shaw lives in California. She is a woman with MS. We're going to talk to her about how she's living with MS. One of her quotes is, we cannot control what happens to us, but we can control how we respond to it. Welcome, Carlin. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I do want to just point out, though, I did live in California, but I currently live in Denver, Colorado. Okay, so that way, anybody that wants to visit your site... Yeah, it, okay. anyone. We actually have um, one of the national headquarters for the MS Society is here, so we have a really large chapter, and we have, I think, one of the largest populations of those living with MS here in Colorado. Okay, and I hope you promote our just podcast so you know. and invite other people yeah. to listen. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Carlin, um, you take the philosophy, um, we are all heroes of our own story, to a completely different level. Did you always have this attitude? Um, Or, on the other hand, it says in your article, you had to find a mantra mantra and live it. So, how did you go from being at your lowest point and... I will, if you don't mind, I'll share with the audience. Uh, your lowest point was you were diagnosed with MS, and then you lost two really close friends in two separate car accidents. And then, so you went from that to to where you you know became sort I'm of happy to elaborate on. All okay, this. it's so um, in 1997. I was a sophomore in college. Uh, this was, um, you know, as as you know, we were diagnosed before there was Google, so there was no way to find anybody like us. So this was 1997. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed and, um, you know, very obviously scared that one minute my body was one way and I literally just woke up and, you know, if you drew a line down the left side, it wasn't like a, a little series of symptoms. It was just like a full-blown exacerbation when I was mm-hmm. initially diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So it was like my left side was completely numb, my right scalp, vision in my right eye. You know, my my torso was so numb, you could actually put a flame on it and I couldn't feel it. Mm -hmm. So it was just all these wacky things. But at the same time, being so innocent at that age, I had never heard of MS. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't in this immediate fear of, oh my goodness, this is happening to me. And so even when I, you know, was initially diagnosed, the adults in my life were more fearful than I was because I still didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was 19, so my biggest responsibilities at that time were still myself. Right. And, uh, but, but, but within a month of my diagnosis, one of, I, I had a group of five best friends mm-hmm. and one of them was killed in an, an automobile accident a month after I was diagnosed, and then nine months later, the friend who called me to tell me that the first friend passed. Right. And I buried them next to each other. Oh, my God. So, at that age of 1920, it was actually harder for me to grasp. Like, my MS wasn't even... uh, It was a thought. It was a concern. But it was way harder to grasp that I had just buried my friends than it was that I was given this diagnosis of a disease, especially because when I was diagnosed, I had all these bad symptoms, but I was also put on, you know, 
solumedrol or whatever the steroid was or and whatever they could do for me and my symptoms went away right so i right. saw it as i'm sick i'm not sick this might come back but we don't know if it's going to come back however i saw death in that moment as my friends are gone i'm alive okay okay um, so the perspective I was given at a very young age, when most would be diagnosed with MS and think, oh my gosh, it's a death sentence, right. I thought, no, it, it's not. I know what death is. And it didn't happen overnight. It was a long journey. From I, I mean, I, I'm a human, you know, obviously. And, and I was young, so this is my 20s I'm growing through. This is... This is a series of events that happened in my life that make you made me realize, yes, this happened, now what? So, like, even at my friend's funeral, I remember consoling other people on the fact that they would never get the opportunity to know my friends as intimately as I did. So- and I felt bad for them as opposed to the loss. And for my MS, I looked at myself as, okay, there's a chance this might happen to my body again, but if it doesn't, now I could, I'm going to start living not only for myself, but for all of us. So did you feel at that time, and, and I know um, when you're newly diagnosed, because this happened to me, you know, you're newly diagnosed, and then you seem to have one, two, three flare-ups, um, and then you, you had all this. Did you feel at the funeral that you were living for them, that you had an obligation to be strong for everyone else who, you know, had also... Um. I wouldn't say I felt an obligation. I would say I felt a motivation. Oh, okay. Well put. Um, I have never felt the need to live for anybody but myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, but my, it's so complicated because it, it's now like here I am almost 40 years old and it's, this is a whole story I go back and share that happened 20 years ago. And like when I try and think back to this moment, you know, at first, I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat the MS diagnosis. Like, I was on Avonex, you know, once a month. I took my mm-hmm. Avonex. It made mm-hmm. me really sick every time I took it. Um, I had to, you know, tell my professors in college that I might miss class because I never knew how it was going to present itself in my body. Like, there was still this unknown feeling. But what really shifted things for me was I was, I was suffering from depression coming from so many different angles i was oh, depressed yeah. mm-hmm. more from my friends and it was it was a depression from my friends it was a depression from the ms i was 19 years old i was dealing with just the college everyday stresses you know like school and boys and growing up and all this stuff and i realized like and i had a, i had a, I'd ended a relationship so it was all this stuff all at once in addition to the ms so it was all all together and I'd learned that um, some friends in college were going to study overseas for a semester. Mm-hmm. And I never realized that was an opportunity that I had available to me. And I applied to go study in London for the semester and without asking my parents for permission. But then my parents, because my parents have always been like, what can we do for you? We don't know what to do. Like, we want to be here to support you. But they'd never been in it. They didn't know that many people with MS. Right, you know, right, they've never yeah. been, they didn't know how to handle this. So I took the reins of this is what I need for me. And then they fully supported me. And that was the first time when I went over to London to study for six months that I saw a silver lining to what was, to everything I was experiencing. And that was, I would never have 
challenged myself right, to right. leave the country to study had I not slipped into this depression and this knowing that something needed to change because it wasn't serving me the way I was living. And at the same time, I looked at it as I'm going to plant my feet all over this planet as long as I can. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I do. And I like so that, that became a big, like, it wasn't like, look at me, I have MS, look what I'm doing. But it was like this inner feeling of, look at me, I have MS, look what I'm doing. And, you know, my Avonex was still shipped to me in, in London. You know, I still continued, but I grew from it. Right. Now, when and you so talk... that of- comes back to how we can't control what we... We can control what we can control. Right. I want to talk to you about what's some of the positive talk. Because you, you mentioned um, that when you moved from victim to victor... Uh, that you took a serious mindset from negative talk to positive talk. Um, what are some of the, the things that you would say to yourself so that we can maybe pass it along to listeners, maybe some mantras that you used? Well, I remember it was 2004 when I had my second major exacerbation. I was 26. Mm-hmm. And um, I was living in San Diego. I was working as a PR manager for a hotel you know, I had a real job and real life. And all of a sudden I woke up and my left leg had paralysis. Right. Not numbness. It just didn't work. Right. And it came out of nowhere. And I drove a stick. So I couldn't even use my, I couldn't use the clutch. I couldn't drive. All of a sudden, like life came to a halt for a bit because I couldn't use my left leg. But I was sitting there in a chair out on my back porch. And after a few days, like I was already starting to notice like, wow, I think my left leg's getting a little... Like, not skinnier, but I could tell the shape of it was changing a little bit from my other leg just from not using it for a few days. It was just this weird, like, realization. And so it was just in that moment where I was like, well, my right side's still working fine. So I don't want to deny my right side any ability to, you know, I don't want to deny the part of my body that does work. So just because part of it doesn't doesn't mean I want to stop the other part. And I just had this talk to myself where I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to go to a recumbent bike and I'm going to put my, I'll put my left leg on the bike and I'll use my right side that works because there's no reason for me to say my whole body doesn't work if only part of my body doesn't work. Right. And this was just like the conversation I had with myself. It wasn't so much a mantra. It's just looking at what you have control over. Right. So, yeah, one of the things that I did want to say to you when you mentioned earlier about, you know, your parents didn't know anybody with MS. What I really love about what I'm finding out about people now is that, you know, people are talking more about having MS. Because I was going to say your parents probably did know people with MS, but people just didn't talk about it. Um, Tell me about Strangers to Friends. What is it and how did it start? Oh, boy. So Strangers to Friends is my website and my community, but it started off as my way of life in 2010. So I don't know. Let me ask you. Do you have a business card? Of course. Okay. So what is your business card represents what you do, right? So when you hand a card over, you're telling people, this is who I am based on what I do. Right. Right. So in 2009, when I was let go from my job as a nurse recruiter, one thing I also lost in the process was my business card. Oh, okay. So when you're out there connecting with people, what do you do when you don't have something to lead with what you do? And instead, I chose to lead with who I was. Okay. So I invented a card that said, Carlin Shaw, Turning Strangers into Friends, and it had my Hotmail email address on it, 
and a super long URL to donate to my MS walk in San Diego at the time. If anyone ever took the liberty to type in a super long URL into a into the web into the web um, bar, like no one would ever do it, you know? Right. But I invented these cards for myself because I wanted I needed a way to connect with people, right? And I've also I'm also I'm, just, I'm incredibly intuitive, and I've always had a gift for. Um, I'm all, I, oftentimes like hear things to approach people or feel things to approach people, and so when I made these cards, it just like it's like the powers that be looked down on me and just were like, oh look, she's ready to play. Let's start connecting her to all the people serendipitously that she's supposed to connect with, both to share her story and invite them to share theirs. Tell, tell me. And so much of it came from that URL from the MS walk that right. would not be on my cards because people would say to me, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, well, it's, it's this is us meeting. And, and I'd say, I know that we're all connected and we all have a purpose. But what ended up happening, which was mind blowing, was how many people had a story associated with MS. Their brother had it. Their sister had it. Mm-hmm. Somebody, and because I was giving them permission to talk about it by leading with it on my card in a positive way, I was inviting all these connections in to show that it's all about support versus sympathy, and it's all about understanding versus empathizing. Right. Um, and and do you feel um, that that people are um, much more likely to to want to talk about their MS now um, as we do? I mean, we have so many people um, who want to be on Truth Be Told. They want to tell us their great stories about marathon running and you know starting businesses and all of these things. And I I when I read about your story, this is this is the sense I get that you know here you are. You're you know it's not what you do. It's 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 who you are. You know everything is about. Carolyn and um, all these incredible things that you've done so let me ask you this you've traveled a lot what's your favorite trip and why oh goodness um I'd say one of the most memorable trips I did was well there's god there's so many I spent a few months in Australia backpacking and working for a nonprofit. um I I think what I was going out to Peru for six weeks because mm-hmm. going back to this idea of planting my feet all over this planet Right. I I used that trip to actually... I've hit my own rock bottoms in life a few times. It has nothing to do with MS. It's just because I'm a woman and I'm human, right? Right. And life is ebb and flow. But again, it comes back to how do we respond to it. And I hit, I'd hit another rough patch. And, um, and due to that rough patch, my neurologist... Or not my neurologist. My regular doctor recognized that I was at such a low. She was a little concerned that it could trigger a relapse right and she said do you know what you need to do for yourself now the reason I was feeling the way I was feeling was because I'd been working in a cubicle desk job for four years where I'd really begun to just lose myself I was existing and anytime I get to a space of just existing and not truly living that's when my body starts giving me all the signs that something needs to change and I look at MS as a way of our bodies giving us signs sometimes of what do we need to pay more attention to? What are we ignoring? What are we not addressing? What do we have control over? Okay. So for me personally, when my doctor um, recognized this in me, she actually put me on California disability Okay. for six weeks. And I took, I took it upon myself 
to use those six weeks of disability and go to Peru and climb Machu Picchu. Oh, wow. My husband's going to climb Machu Picchu. There's actually a, a, a fundraiser um, here in Canada. It's called um, MS Climbs, and all the money goes to, uh, to research. I'm going to end soon, but I want to end with this. You said in your few fun facts about you um, that you believe miracles happen every day. Um, tell me about that. Well, life is all life is is perspective. The reality that you create is based on the reality you create. Like what is black to one could be white to another. What is, you know, so miracles is this. I don't believe in luck. There's no such thing as luck. It's You're either open to something or you're not. And, and how you perceive the way something shows up, um, that's where silver linings come from. So miracles come in all shapes and sizes, but you first have to believe in them. Okay. And you have to believe you're worthy of them. And you have to know that a fumble has to happen for the touchdown to happen. Okay. And you have to know that it's all connected. Great. I want to ask you, um, before we go, how do people find you? How do they get to read these amazing words of yours and read about the amazing work you do? Um, is there a website? Um, yes. Yeah, so right now I have strangerstofriends.com mm-hmm. as one of my sites. And I'm in the process of of creating my personal brand, which is carlinshaw.com. So that's C-A-R-L-Y-N-S-H-A-W. Mm-hmm. But I'm also really active on Facebook. Yeah. And I'm really active on Instagram. So on Instagram, it's the Carlin Shaw. And because funny note, there is another Carlin Shaw. And she and I met when she was living in Vancouver, which is a funny story. But, um, but, but... Uh, I have all these big ideas. I'm actually writing a book right now mm-hmm. to try to really capture all of my stories so that, you know, my hope is that someone will read it and be able to apply it to their own life and be able to see their own situation a little differently and, and maybe be inspired or feel feel hope. Okay, well, we'll look forward to that. Um, wish you, you know, I'm not going to say luck. I'm going to say wish you skill. And, right. and I, I hope that, you know, you get the, the time, you know, time to do it and everything falls into place, as you know it well. Uh, we look forward to having you again, um, you know, on, on the program. And I invite everyone who's listening in to please, if you have questions for myself or for Carolyn, visit our website at www.truthbetold.ca. Thank you, Carolyn, and have an amazing day. Thank you. Okay. Sometimes I never leave, but sometimes I would.